Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. Hello? Anybody home? Today... I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to fall. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had men and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with inefficiency? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. If you don't connect the dots, just the mass of what's all this about. You are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. 
If you'd like to reach out to the show, you can email rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. Secret Teachings, of course, airs Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio. You can go to our website, thesecretteachings.info, and check out our free show archive, the RSS feed, the embed player, etc., all of our show promos, copies of my books, etc., all there on the website. Or go to aftermath.media and subscribe to the ad-free show. That's aftermath.media. I know sometimes people get a little confused. There's all sorts of different ways to listen but it's Monday through Friday, Ground Zero Dot Radio, and then the archive on our website, which is free, or the ad-free archive you subscribe to at aftermath.media. If you have any questions about that or anything else, just shoot me an email at one of the emails I gave you, the rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. This week of shows so far has really, and I say so far, but we're almost done with the week, this week of shows has really blended together in a positive way for me. Because on Monday, we looked at how guns don't kill people, bullets kill people. We looked at the illegal, unconstitutional, tyrannical order of the New Mexico governor and the fallout and backlash from that. Attorney General of New Mexico, uh, sheriffs won't enforce it. So that's all positive. But it's really about setting the precedent and making sure that people know that regardless of if criminals would follow a law, they don't. And uh, the governor acknowledges that in the press conference we played. Or if it's just acknowledging that, yeah, this power does it. I don't have this power unless I declare an emergency and just keep that emergency going forever. And then I have all this unprecedented power forever. I mean, she should at the very least, she should needs to be impeached, period. But in looking at that Monday and then transitioning Tuesday into the whooping cough show we did, a friend of mine asked me to let him know if I knew anything about whooping cough because he's having a baby, his wife's having a baby, and they, um, the family kind of wants them to get the whooping cough vaccine. And so I did some research and found that the vaccine's been out since 1914. Data on whooping cough was kept from 1922 onward. And the CDC credits the vaccine with a decline in whooping cough cases beginning in 1948. That's 34 years after the vaccine had come out when they stuck it with two other vaccines for uh, other conditions. And then we looked at the statistics about how even after that 1948 vaccine came out, nothing really substantially dropped until 1965. Then there were new spikes in the 2000s. And that's all because the CDC changed the reporting data. And they just chose certain parts of the graph to make it seem as if their vaccine or their public health advice or whatever was responsible. And you see, you see that same statistical fraud with hurricanes and fires and floods, and you see that with everything. And, you know, it's not a, that wasn't a COVID show. It was about whooping cough. I mean, I, I don't I didn't even know much about whooping cough. And it's only named that because when you cough and you finally get air again, you like Hoop! and that's what that's it's an automatopoeia disease. And it's like the symptoms of it are basically the cold. They even say that's like the cold and a cough. And it just none of the statistical data makes any sense. It's all inconsistent. I mean, even with gun data, 
It's like suicides and gangs are the number one and number two leading causes of gun violence. Attack on drugs and awful policies and not enforcing the law and incentivizing crime and law-abiding citizens don't commit gun crimes or any crimes because they're law-abiding citizens. This is just how you manipulate reality. This is how you unravel everything. And this is what we talked about Wednesday. Apophis, the uncreator. Apophis is a god of chaos, usually a cobra-headed serpent, but a serpent of chaos, that primal, that primal evil, the primeval evil of the world that is on the tree, that is in your brain, the reptilian brain. Um, it is something that is always lurking in the dark recesses, the dark corners of, of our conscience, of our psyche, of our world. And that idea is embodied in the god, Apophis, who is a god or a demon, more so, of uncreation, of destruction, of chaos. Now, creation and chaos and order and... Like, there, there is a necessity to have chaos with order and vice versa. And there's a necessity to have uncreation with creation, like a forest fire. But even a forest fire leads to new growth, so that's a positive thing. So it's about balancing creation and uncreation. It's about balancing what is light and what is dark. You need both. And I think a lot of New Age cults really, really distort that. And they focus just on the light in the same way that other cults focus only on the dark. And they're both really worshiping the same thing that is in balance. In this case, Apophis, the uncreator. And so last night we talked about those AI, so-called AI robots at the NFL game. And we talked about the pop star who's not really a pop star. She's supposedly a 19-year-old digital creation, but she looks like she's 12 and she's half naked Somehow this AI-generated image has a modeling contract and a music contract. And it's a CG version, basically, of you know the Britney Spears model of the Hollywood music industry sex kit and mind control of sexualizing young children and then having total and absolute control of them. In the case of Britney Spears, even her father, complete and absolute control of them. Uh, you know, she couldn't have a boyfriend but she had an IUD because they were selling her for sex. And, I mean, this is all stuff that we would classify as evil, as uncreation, as distortion, as chaos. But ultimately, at the end of the day and at the end of the conversation, their life really isn't that bad. And so we have to quantify that fact with the fact that things usually seem pretty chaotic, because that's where we focus all of our attention. So the, the reason that I kind of recap all of these shows that we've done this week is, one, you should go listen to them if you miss them. They're free at thesecretteachings.info, or if you just type in the show name on any radio podcast player. If you're new to the show and you're looking to listen, please listen on Spreaker, by the way, because Spreaker gives us 10% additional ad revenue over Apple. But if you listen to Apple, that's fine, too. Please leave us a, a review if you listen to Apple. I'd really appreciate that. Uh, and otherwise, you can subscribe to the ad-free show at Aftermath.media. But I, I go through the, the background of these week's shows because I, I think that they all tie together. You know, like when I talk about whooping cough, okay, it's uninteresting for some people. But if you understand the way that that data is manipulated, then you'll understand how climate data is manipulated. 
maybe you're super pro, super anti-gun. But if you listen to the gun show we did, it's not about being pro or anti-gun. It's about the governor of New Mexico acknowledging, yes, this is a de facto form of martial law. I know criminals don't obey the law. This isn't basically this isn't for them. This is for law abiding citizens. They just have no shame. I mean, look at Joe Biden. No shame. Telling the people of Maui that, yeah, I know what it's like to have a have everything destroyed. My 67 Corvette almost got burned one time in a fire. Joe Biden saying that he was, you know, in a different place than where he actually was on 9-11, just like Hillary Clinton said her daughter was in a different place on 9-11 than she really was. Or Alexandria Cortez claiming she's in the she's in the, the Capitol when she was in the building across the street. She thought she was going to be raped. You know, these people have no shame. Look at Fetterman. Did you see that Fetterman video? He's like, oh, oh, oh an impeachment inquiry. Oh, oh yeah, whatever. I mean, they're, 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 it's not even arrogance anymore. They know they have complete and absolute control and total amnesty. They're, they're not even pretending that they work for, peop- for the people. They work for multinational corporations and they work for powerful elitists that you don't see. Call them globalists, call them whatever. And these people are distorters and uncreators and cha- chaos magicians and, and everything else. And so, again, the reason I bring all this up is because there's, there's a, th- a, a consistent thread or a theme here. I'll tell you what that is. I went to see the movie The Nun 2. Now, there's obviously, for those of you who are paranormal people, ghosts, demons, you know, if you've read or maybe just watched a documentary or something about Ed and Lorraine Warren, a lot of questions about whether or not, you know, they were always honest in what they did. Personally, I I don't have a beef with Ed and Lorraine Warren um, about their, their, you know, their history and, you know, their work. Because I I've not read a ton of it honestly, uh, but I do nevertheless like the Conjuring series, and I mean like Hereditary. They focus on you know a specific demon, Paimon, or in Conjuring it's Valak. You know you are Valak the Defiler, and so when I watched the Nun, the first Nun, which was a prequel, prequel sequel to the con the three Conjuring movies. They showed Valak as a little boy with snakes, and that is how Valak is depicted in most, not all, but most of the original demonic uh, inscriptions, whether that's, and all, almost all of that comes from De Plancy in his Infernal Dictionary. But he's usually a, a little tiny boy, and he rides a dragon or some kind of dragon-like creature, and he's usually accompanied by snakes. So whether you liked the original nun or not, you know, they were actually very accurate in depicting Volek in the way that um, the demonological uh, depictions uh, show. So they definitely did a little bit of homework on that. And so I went to see the second nun. And honestly, I'm not, I'm not really a scary movie guy. I'm not really a horror movie guy. I'm not really a, I definitely don't like, you know, like Saul. I can't stay. I can't watch that. So the nun is like the extent, I mean, I'm probably, I'm probably going to go see the exorcist. But that's about the extent of my... I, I can't stand that gruesome, gory stuff. I just... It's not for me. But I decided to go see The Nun. Uh, this is about... What did, I, what did I go see this Sunday night? And I was waiting to do a show on this because I was trying to figure out when it would be best to talk about uh, the movie. And, and there's not going to be any spoilers tonight. I'm just using The Nun as a theme to address these other issues. So I go see The Nun, and the theater is really, really packed. 
And so I ended up sitting and I, I actually, I have not set, I've only sat down low, like in that lower bowl of a theater twice. <laughs> I, I remember in film school, I went with some people to see the last Harry Potter. And I think we sat in like the front row and it was just awful. And I didn't understand what was going on anyway, because I hadn't seen the other Harry Potters at that point. And then this time I was in like the third row back. So I was really close to the screen and really close to the speaker. And maybe that's why it wasn't as scary as maybe it could have been because it was just kind of like unrealistically large and loud. <laughs> and it just, it didn't really frighten me. And demons don't scare me anyway. It's, it's, you know, it's the sound, it's the jumps, it's the cuts, it's how it's edited and how the audio, you know, is, is put together that makes it scary uh, or makes it, you know, it, it frightens you. Uh, the movie was all right. Wasn't the best movie I've ever seen by far. Um, I'm not, really i mean it's it's not really gory but there's like a little bit of you know over the top uh over the top imagery in terms of the the nun itself which is if you don't know it's a it's a demon that took an un, the unholy form of a nun and um what i found more interesting in the movie honestly was the the mythology and i always love that in movies when there's like myth or like theology or there's something that really intrigues my my interest in history or symbolism or whatever and and before i even get to that i gotta say you know sitting there watching that movie i i, I just couldn't stop thinking like catholicism <laughs> i mean this is this is an obvious statement but catholicism you know the universal religion is the most iconographic driven ritualistic religion that has ever been invented by man. I mean, I, I have to imagine, really, I have to imagine that even the mystery school traditions of Greece and Egypt and Rome and all these other places throughout history did not utilize symbolism to the level that Catholics do. I mean, it's insane. The Catholic religion and how they use, I mean, everything from talismans to um, like like purified consecrated items to you know ritual garb to ritual chanting and and um you know sitting and standing and sitting and standing and and chanting and singing and reverberations like it's the most occult religion man has ever invented it's just wild and i don't go to church but i i've actually never been to a catholic church mass and i I don't like doing stuff on myself most of the time, but I think if I found someone else who was a Catholic who was like, yeah, I'll, I'll show you a Catholic mass, I would definitely go because I just want to see it firsthand. It's it's ridiculous. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just, it, I, I find it fascinating. It's like ridiculous how much, the, it's just so overwhelming, <laughs> I imagine. So, I mean, I kept thinking that. But then, you know, the mythology part of the movie really got me. And the mythology is, it's basically about a virgin martyr named Saint Lucie or Santa Lucia. And she was one of the earliest, actually, Christian saints who achieved widespread popularity. This is around the 5th century. And she's a patron saint of the city of Syracuse or Sicily. She's also a patron saint of virgins because she was, she was a virgin. And you know what that means also can be interpreted in a, in a lot of different ways. Like a virgin is not just someone who hasn't had sex. A virgin is also someone who is very young and whether or not they've had sex or not, a lot of young people are banging at 11 years old now, 10 years old. I mean, 
six year six year olds you know molest each other so i mean just it's just out of control but you know a virgin could also mean someone who has purified themselves you know they've repented for their sins they've taken a good shower and got some nice clean clothes like that's also a virgin just for the record but um St. Lucy, who also goes by various other names and different spellings, there's like, you can spell it L-U-C-Y, L-U-C-I-E. She is usually depicted, and in the movie they don't show this, but she's usually depicted with a knife in her neck. And in most depictions, which they do show in the movie, she has a, a little plate or a little tray with eyeballs on it. According to the apocryphal text, Lucy came from a very wealthy Sicilian family. And she decided, kind of like the Buddha, to give up that wealth, to give up marriage, to give up all worldly goods. And she vowed to remain a virgin in following the tradition of St. Agatha. So an angry man who was, uh, uh, I don't know if he was a selected uh companion for her but an angry man reported her to the local roman authorities and they sentenced her to to be removed to a brothel and forced into prostitution i mean that is that's that's a pretty unique punishment you want to be a virgin you give up worldly goods you don't want to marry this guy so he reports you to the authorities and they have you sentenced to a brothel and force you into prostitution that's pretty intense. So the, the, the order of the Romans was, was eventually, I mean, the, the legend is that there was divine intervention and Lucy became immovable and she couldn't be carried away. I mean, that's more symbolic of her conviction. So because they couldn't force her into prostitution, she was condemned to death by fire. And she also didn't burn the flames like that veggie tells where they have the veggies in the oven, you know, that biblical story. So finally, someone takes out a, a knife, sword, short sword, something, and they stab her in the neck. Now, at least that's, that's the story. Now, now, is that actually what happened? Probably not. She was probably just the victim of a wave of persecution of Christians in general. And, you know, being immovable as she's described as, or being, you know, a virgin, those are things that have different, she's a virgin in the eyes of God, she's pure in her intentions, you know, that kind of thing. And she's also, of course, um, uh, you know, she's, she's immovable in her conviction, so they can't force her into prostitution, they can't, t- basically, they can't tempt her with those worldly desires and physical pleasures, so she's condemned to be burned, but she's pure, so she doesn't burn, So she gets stabbed in the neck or in a lot of traditions, she has her eyes plucked out or she gets stabbed and has her eyes plucked out. So in the nun too, the eyes are kind of like this religious, uh, religious relic, you know, something like that Indiana Jones would hunt down and the eyes are uh, a symbol. I mean, obviously the eyes are a gateway to the soul, right? So the eyes are a symbol of her purity and, the eyes become this religious relic that a monk hides in this this chapel. And you know, it's very kind of like Da Vinci Code, kind of like Da Vinci Code, conjuring, mixed with like, 
you know, a, a kind of one of those like ridiculous religious, uh, I can't remember the name of that movie. It was like, uh, I think it was like a portal or something opened up in Jerusalem and these demons came through. It's like a good mix of all that kind of stuff. So if you, if you like that, you like the nun too. Uh, but if you like the mythology of it, if you just like the theology of it, the, the, the stories of it, then you, you might, I, I liked it just for that. So she's venerated on December 13th. She has a crown of evergreen. Uh, she's like, it's like a wreath that has candles on it put around her head. And that's supposed to be a symbol of light during the darkest time of the year. So basically, St. Lucy's Day or St. Lucia's Day, or there's different ways to pronounce it. She becomes like the patron saint of light and of children and of, you know, immovable conviction. She's a pretty, she's a powerful saint is the point. And that's sort of the point of the relic in the movie. But it's the eyes. She's holding a little little tiny tray of her own eyes. Now, in other stories, some stories, she plucks her own eyes out. In other stories, she has her eyes removed by the pagans, and uh, then she's, she's stabbed in the neck. So why am I telling you this story about St. Lucy? Because again, a virgin doesn't mean that she hasn't had sex, and being immovable by divine intervention just means she's influenced and immovable in her convictions. And they can't burn her, they can't crucify her, they can't, they can't slander her, they can't libel her, they can't do anything to her, so they remove her ability to see. And they stab her in the neck and kill her. And again, this doesn't have to be literal. So because of all that, I just think eyes. And I think of all the stories of eyes. Not just the eye of Horus that gave his father Osiris the ability to see in the underworld, but also the eye of Odin. Odin removed one of his eyes in order to obtain wisdom when he visited Mirmir. He removed one of his eyes to obtain wisdom to drink from the well of wisdom, the water of wisdom, the baptism uh, at that well gave Odin immense wisdom and Odin eventually gave language or ruins to mankind while he hung on the ash tree or the world tree. Christians keep up that Ash Wednesday tradition. And then, of course, you have the creator of the Japanese islands. You have Izanagi and Izanami and that creator couple, which are really the same you know, Kami, the same entity, the same spirit, uh, had an eyeball removed in order to create the goddess Ameterasu, who's the sun goddess. And then her brother, who's a god, a god of storms and tempest and darkness. So one eye is Suzano, and there's like 50 different ways to pronounce that. Uh, not just in Japanese, but in general, there's like, there's like 15 different ways to spell it and like 50 different ways to pronounce it. Uh, and then Ameterasu, which is how, how you pronounce it. She, um, she's the, you know, the eye of the sun. And then Susano is the eye of the, of the moon. And so, so the Japanese had the same concept that the Egyptians had. And the Scandinavians had the same concept that the Egyptians and the, and, and the, and the Japanese had. And the people of pretty much every major culture saw significance in the eyes. And there's a lot of reasons for that we're going to get to tonight, but they also, and it also, the eyes and the concept of that also relates to everything else I've recapped for you here in the first segment. Because in the, in the nun, it's the, the demon wants the eyes because the eyes will give this demon the, these angelic powers. 
And too many of us are very immovable. We're not immovable in our convictions. We're very movable in our convictions. And we don't have our eyes plucked out because we're immovable in our convictions. We take our own eyes out so we don't see what's in front of us. And that's kind of the metaphor and the theme of tonight's show. As tonight on The Secret Teachings, we look through the eyes of St. Lucy. I'm Ryan Gable. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. There are four ways to listen and support The Secret Teachings, Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio or in the free archive at TheSecretTeachings.info. You can also re-subscribe at TheSecretTeachings.info where you can get ad-free access to the archive, montages, and Ryan's digital books. And by signing up at Aftermath.media. Or you can also get Clyde Lewis's Ground Zero. For those of you with a few seconds to spare, please don't forget to leave the show a review or comment on podcast players like Apple. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. So St. Lucy is one of the earliest Christian saints. She's known as a virgin and a martyr to the history books. She has this immovable conviction. She gave up all of her worldly pleasures and worldly wealth, kind of like the Buddha, to become enlightened. So because an individual is very angry at her, because she won't take him as a husband. He reports her to the Roman authorities. They try to remove her from her dwelling and put her in a brothel and force her to be a prostitute. Her removable conviction, however, prevents that from happening, so they try to burn her. She doesn't burn either. And so they stab her in the neck and pluck her eyes out. So a lot of depictions of St. Lucy 
you will see she has a little plate or a little tray carrying her eyes. If you haven't seen, or if you have seen, and maybe just didn't think much of it, the new Nun movie, The Nun 2, St. Lucy is a big part of the movie. There are paintings of St. Lucy and a lot of talk about what St. Lucy represents and how the demon in the movie that takes on this unholy form of the nun wants to get this religious relic, which is actually the eyes of St. Lucy. So those eyes were plucked out and preserved, and a, a monk, this, this is the, the movie, this isn't real, <laughs> obviously, but the, the, this monk saved these eyes and, and, uh, and basically hid them away. So the demon wants those eyes because the demon was once an angel. The demon lost his power, his her power. And so with these eyes, the demon would be able to regain that power. So I find this peculiar, and I find this this uh, whole story of St. Lucy really interesting, which is why I bring it up tonight. Because it's more than just, you know, it's a metaphor. It's a, it's, it's a myth. And St. Lucy might have also been uh, a very real person, probably was a very real person. But the stories that have been told in her name have obviously been exaggerated and dramatized and there's always 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 a deeper meaning always a deeper meaning and you know the idea of her being a virgin or have or being physically immovable those are examples of the symbolic nature of her as a as a saint venerated by the church so she's stabbed in the neck and has her eyes plucked out in the movie they say she's the patron saint of the blind there's not really many references to that in like an encyclopedia or a book on saints or did, I did a little bit of reading cause I, I like the story of St. Lucy, but there is a lot, uh, a lot of reference to her eyes being plucked out or, or, or she takes her own eyes out in some accounts. Um, but it's usually her, she has her eyes plucked out because the eyes allow her to see that connection or have that connection to divinity because the eyes are a gateway to the soul, right? at least conceptually. The eyes are a gateway to the soul. You look at some people, you like, there's nobody home. There's nobody home. How do you do that? You look in the eyes. You can tell in the eyes. Eyes are a gateway to the soul. If the eyes are removed, then that gateway is shut. And if that gateway is shut, then that connection to the soul spirit can be cut off. Now, I'm not talking about this in the sense that if you're blind, <laughs> you can't be spiritual. This is a much deeper thing than physical eyes, okay? You can have physical eyes and still be, you know, nobody's home. You can have your eyes removed without physically having your eyes removed. And the way that's done is through everything we've discussed thus far on this week's show. I waited till tonight to do this show about the nun because with everything we've covered so far, you just look at the way that data, statistics are manipulated. You look at how people's emotions are manipulated. doesn't matter if it's government, corporations, etc. We have had our eyes plucked out. We have been punished for being aware, for being human, really. 
But more than that, a lot of people choose to pluck their own eyes out because they're afraid of being persecuted or prosecuted in the first place. They're so terrified, they pluck their own eyes out because they're so scared, terrified. They'd rather not look. So ignorance is bliss, right? It's that idea. Ignorance is bliss. Just don't look. Pluck out your own eyes. I mean, we make it easy for people to manipulate us and for demons to control us. How and why? Because we say, I'd rather not look. I'd rather not pay attention. I'd rather not take responsibility. I mean, obviously, you as an audience, you, you agree that, you know, these are important things that you should look, you should take responsibility, etc. But I'm just saying this as a social commentary. A lot of people choose ignorance as bliss. And it's not just ignorance as bliss. It's they choose not to look. They choose to pluck out their own eyes. They choose to martyr themselves with, with, with no benefit, with no protection. And when they do that, they become the, the husks, as we discussed last night on the Uncreator show with a, about Apophis. They become these husks. They just like it's like the Israeli scientists that in, that that invented or developed or grew an embryo without sperm, egg, or womb. There's nothing there. Does that thing become a human? Does that human have a soul, or is it just like the androids, the robots at the L.A. Chargers game this week? And these are moral questions, ethical questions, religious questions. These are philosophical questions, psychological. There's a lot of different ways to address these issues. But those are basically shells. You look into the robot's eyes at that football game. You can see the pictures and watch the video. There's nothing in there because it's not real, obviously. I mean, if those Israeli scientists grew that embryo to, a, to, to be a full human, would there be anything in the eyes or would it look like the cover of a Billie Eilish song? You know, an album cover. Where do we go when we die? She already knows. She made the deal with the devil. She's going to hell. Because she says, for this debt, I owe got to sell my soul because I can't say no. I can't say no. I don't know if you notice this, but if you watch a lot of pop music, which I don't, but when in, you know, like big songs come about, people send them to me. And uh, last week on the show, and if you miss this, you have to go listen to this show. This show has, this show that we did last week on... Let me pull up the name of it here. Madness is like gravity. Puppets, sheep, and cash cows. That was our number one downloaded show of the last 30 days. I think the last 60 days. Madness is like gravity. And in that show, I talked about the new Doja Cat songs. And there's a song by Doja Cat. There's actually a couple really scary songs by Doja Cat. And uh, one is Paint This Town Red. And I played a tiny bit of it for you on the show. And I pointed this out on the show, although I didn't really even talk about the significance of it. But at the beginning of that video, Paint This Town Red, Doja Cat is sitting in this room. It's black and white. You can only see her eyes. And something happens. And then she ends up on the back of the devil. And she has a shirt on that says she's feral. And she says bitch a lot then says bitch a couple more times and then says bitch again and then dances around in skimpy shorts says bitch uh hangs out with the devil then there's an image of her covered in blood like poppy in that song she did called x and uh, then she's in hell with the devil 
and there's an eyeball. It looks like an eyeball hanging with a fetus inside of it, and she cuts the eyeball so the fetus and the eyeball falls off. But going back to the beginning of the song, in order to see in hell, in order to see in the underworld, she cuts her eye out of her head and lays it on the table. And then at the end of the video, the very end of the video, she pops her eye back in. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that is very Egyptian. Because this is how Horus helps his father Osiris to see in the underworld. This is how the son saves the father. He plucks out his eye and he gives it to his father to see in the underworld to conduct his judgments. And hell is the underworld. Hell is the other world. Call it whatever you want. Call it Yomi. Call it the abyss. The domain of Leviathan. The bottom of the ocean. The ocean of stars. The furthest recesses of our solar system, galaxy, universe, the, the outer limits of Auroboros. Call it whatever you will. But when Doja Cat plucks her eye out, and I, I mean, I, I assume that is Doja Cat in the video. I can't, it might be another woman. I can't tell because it's black. It's very black and white and hard to see, ironically. But taking her eye out allows her to see hell. This is precisely the Egyptian story of Horus and Osiris. The eyes have powerful significance in all mythologies and Scandinavian lore in order to become very wise. Odin, when he meets with Mirmir, or Mir, is it Mirmir, Mirmir? He says, Mirmir tells Odin, you have to pluck out your eye in order to obtain this wisdom, in order to drink from this fountain of wisdom. So Odin does it, and he is baptized in those waters. And as he's baptized in those waters, he is able to, um, you know, see everything. And if you watch this Doja Cat video, not only she, pluck, she plucks her eye out at the beginning and she sees hell, like Osiris does, the underworld. And then at the end of the video, and you don't see this at the beginning, but at the end, her eyeball is in a glass of water. So the eyeball is purified through its underworld journey. So th- this song isn't just like, devil worship or promoting feral behavior or promoting whatever she's talking. She, she, she just says bitch a lot and dances with her ass hanging. I don't, I don't know what it's supposed to mean, but the underlying theme of the song is a lot more than that. I mean, she basically goes through an underworld ritual by which her eyes are purified and then put back into her head. That's not just for shock value or for show. Another song she did about demons, that's more for shock value and also telling you exactly who she is and what she does. She's a puppet. She's a sheep. She's a cash cow. The industry controls her. She makes them money. I mean, it's not even, they just tell you what they are and who they, who they are. Now this song is more deep. It's more, more, it's more submerged in mythology. And actually, that's what I thought of when I went to see The Nun 2. That's what I thought of. I thought of the Doja Cat song. And I, and I and kind of ironically, um, the, the time before I'd gone to the movie, I was in the same exact theater at the same, well, the same complex, the same theater. And uh, I had mentioned this on the show I did last week. Jonathan Fuller had messaged me that new Doja Cat song. And as I was, I screenshot it because I was going to send it to Laura Lavender. And she messaged me at that exact moment this was like at like 8 p.m or something she messaged me at that exact moment and said hey here's this new song have you seen this so and, and you know and the 
and it's the Doja Cat thing. I did, you know, I did the show on last week and I'm in that same theater and I'm watching this movie about, you know, St. Lucie's eyes. So I thought there has to be some deeper significance here and how can we turn this into a really interesting show? So again, the eyes are the gateway to the soul. If you remove the eyes, that's a gateway to, uh, well, you could say to the abyss. It's at least an invitation to the abyss, just like in the Doja Cat song. And a lot of people, unlike St. Lucie, do not have convictions. They're not immovable. They're by no means virgins in any sense of the word. They're by no means saints, nor are they uh, repentant for any of their sins. So they choose to pluck their own eyes out, and they choose to swim alongside of the big shark so they don't get eaten. Some people are so scared. Ignorance is bliss. They don't look. They choose not to look. And some people are so scared to look, they just pull their own eyes out. Obviously, that's... Uh, symbolic. It's not literal. And this is the problem. If we don't have the ability to physically see what happens, we trip over things, you know, we can't really get around in life. There are plenty of blind people, physically blind people who find a way to navigate. And I'm, I'm always, not that they need me to be impressed, but I'm always impressed when I see someone walking down the road who's, you assume, completely blind, maybe just partially blind, and they can somehow get from point A to point B and uh, I always notice, like, when I see, I don't see blind men very often, but when I see blind women, I feel like the blind woman is always like, she's always, she always takes care of herself. She's blind and she dresses better than what a lot of these girls dress like when they're not blind, which that's the irony. You can be physically blind, but still aware, and you can be physically aware, you know, visually, but still very impaired in terms of, you know, yourself your self-image. And that's there's a deeper, uh, a deeper philosophical uh, thing there that exists. And I think one of the best ways to explore that is to look at the ideas and the concepts that are portrayed and preserved in the Bible, for example. Uh, if you look at most of the stories about the, the powers and the miracles of Jesus, and I've just done this in my new book, Garden of Hallucinations. If you haven't gotten a copy yet, you can do so at thesecretteachings.info. I don't really, I don't have an advertising budget. I don't advertise it anywhere. So it's just, if you hear this show, you buy it. I appreciate it. Garden of Hallucinations, thesecretteachings.info. So if you go and you, and you read that new book I wrote, it'll break it down really simply. Um, like Jesus preaches the gospel, Jesus heals the sick, Jesus raises the dead, Jesus casts out demons, Jesus cleanses and cleans the lepers, Jesus helps the blind to see. What does all that stuff mean? Well, if you're preaching the gospel, it means to teach and inform those who are prepared to receive the instructions. To heal the sick is to remedy not just the flesh, but to remedy ignorance, fear, and superstition, the three great evils as Manly Palmer Hall points out in some of his writings. To raise the dead is to recover souls from materiality by the word of truth. And in simple terms, it just means people that are consumed by materiality, like Buddha was or St. Lucy was, they give that materiality up. They give up the wealth and the men and the women and pleasure of the, of the physical and spiritual. They give up everything. And they have in fact, been risen from the dead. And the assistance that's provided to them in the case of, you know, the Bible, Jesus raises you from the dead. 
um, the concept of Jesus, the idea of Jesus, the idea of, of purity and all those things that raises you like St. Lucy is essentially raised from the dead by Christ, even though she wasn't dead and she didn't interact with Christ, but still the same idea of raising the dead. Uh, when you're casting out demons, you're modifying people's emotions, their, their passions, their appetites, because the demons are inside of you. You, you have the ability to become angelic or demonic. And those are the two wolves, as some say, that you feed. And which wolf wins? It's the wolf that you feed the most. You have the ability to become angelic or demonic. And it's not with a halo, and it's not with a pitchfork. You can succumb to the passions of the animal self. That's the beast, given power by the red dragon or the ego. Or you can become more angelic, slay the beast, and become more like St. Michael. I just wouldn't recommend claiming that you're talking to St. Michael to make money off of a book like that scumbag David Wilcock because I don't really believe in hell as a physical place. But if there is one, he has five-star reservations in hell. Uh, Cleansing the lepers, healing the blind, to purify those who were unclean and thought of as dead, to heal those who cannot see, to allow them to receive the instructions to be healed of ignorance, fear, and superstition, etc. So when you look at that idea in regard to eyeballs as a symbol, in the case of St. Lucy, to have your vision healed, you can be someone who can physically see but also be blind. And you can also be someone who's blind who can see better than people who have you know eyes that function the way that they're supposed to. And that's my example of every time I've, this is just anecdotal, but every time I've ever seen a blind girl, she dresses so nice. And I see just average everyday girls down the street and they dress like they're blind. <laughs> and it's just, I just find that little anecdotal, you know, piece of my own experience. I find that really interesting. And I also find it symbolic of the whole theme of, of tonight's show. Because, again, you can be a virgin. That doesn't mean you never had sex. You can be, uh, you know, uh, pure, even though you've done things that are impure. That's the whole point of repenting. That's the whole point of self-sacrifice and overcoming that dragon, that demon, that psychological, uh, you know, issue in your psyche. You can overcome those things. And when you do it, it's with the assistance of the divine because there's a little bit of the divine in you. That's what a lot of this stuff means. We're not talking about like literal physical things that we dramatize in our imagination. These are things that we have the power to do. These are things that we as individuals have. Uh, we have not only the ability, but we have the we have the duty and the necessity to overcome those things. So if you look back at St. Lucy and you see how she plucks her eyes or has her eyes plucked out, some sort of she plucks them out, but has her eyes plucked out. Um, this is the Roman state trying to prevent her from connecting with her divine, with the divine source, with divinity, with her, with her own divinity. And it doesn't stop her. She becomes a martyr. She becomes a saint and her eyeballs. If you watch the nun become this religious relic that demons want because the relic gives them angelic powers. You see, the idea there is that the eyeballs, not only are they a gateway to the soul, 
But those eyeballs, those eyes that you have in your head, those physical eyes, are a symbol of divine connection. And if you sever that connection by cutting the eyeballs out, it basically becomes a doorway that if the demon gets access to it, then the demon becomes angelic and the demon can draw on that power from the divine. And that's kind of the whole point in the movie, trying to stop the demon from getting these, these eyes. And I have not spoiled it for you. That is the, the extent of what I will say about the nun. If you'd like, if you'd like to go see it, nothing has been spoiled. But this, the St. Lucy story really intrigued me, and that's why I wanted to, uh, to discuss it tonight. And then I think, what else is happening that relates to, to this? Um, I have a show planned for tomorrow called Every Child Left Behind. Every Child Left Behind. Obviously, that's a play on you know the, the George Bush era, No Child Left Behind. And we're going to talk about this in detail tomorrow, but I just wanted to reference it tonight. There is a huge, huge decline in literacy, basic math, science, etc. skills. A huge decline that not only was occurring in some parts of the world prior to COVID-19, but based on the World Bank, UNESCO, and UNICEF, based on recent numbers, very recent numbers, the last 12 months, people that are low income and lower middle income. And, and even if you just put together all low and middle income countries, uh, the illiteracy rate is above 50%. That, I don't think we've seen that since the 50s. That's any, I mean, I, there's more people in the world today. But in some parts of the world, according to the World Bank and the UNICEF, uh, UNESCO, UNICEF, and this is from uh, Statista, Statista. We have illiteracy rates that are approaching what they were in the 50s. I mean, yeah, if you're an American, you never, you don't really know what it means to to not know how to read or write. I mean, even the Japanese had super high literacy rates in the 40s. But like generally speaking, we kind of assume everybody's literate, or at least the numbers are pretty high today compared to the 50s, and and they are. They're much much higher. But because of lockdowns, even the World Bank and UNICEF and UNESCO are saying, no, no, actually, it's estimated. And and there's different graphs and different points that you can look at. But 10-year-old children, the number of 10-year-old children who can't read a simple text is over 50%. And if you keep children, especially children, if you keep children blind, you pluck their eyes out at a young age, they have no hope, no ability to ever fight against those demons, to never fight against people that want to control them in their minds and use them and abuse them. So in effect, school children all over the world, young kids all over the world have had their eyes effectively plucked out. Another report, and this actually comes from the uh, Mary Lou Fulton Teachers College, Arizona State University. This is, so this is a local story, but the USA Today picked it up. A new report comes out show it just came out showing that American schools are getting worse. I mean, like this this is like a, a monthly thing. They're getting worse and worse and worse, and and almost all of it can be traced back to the pandemic, but a lot of it can be traced back just to the fact that you know most states utilize ideology over education. And I mean, everything from ACT scores to literacy are at like multi-decade lows. 
It's no wonder people seem dumber. They are. It's no wonder people seem like they can't understand you when you use basic common sense logic or even just basic words. It's no wonder people can't understand where you're coming from, what you're saying, or what you're doing. It's no wonder college kids, it's like 88, 90% all vote the same way because it's just a hive mind. They've had their eyes plucked out. They can't see. So they're being led astray by demons and ideologues and monsters that have no boundary on the horrors and the chaos that they will commit in the name of fulfilling their utopian ideological ideals and beliefs. And, and these are the demons in our society. You know, they don't dress or take the form of a nun. You know, but that idea of like, why does the demon in, in the nun or the conjuring take the form of a nun? Because the nun is a holy thing. And the demon does stuff that is unholy. It, 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 it blasphemies this holy thing. And that's exactly what these demons are doing. They're blaspheming teachers and higher education, even lower education. And young people, children, teenagers, even young adults. They're taking these unholy forms to corrupt, to distort, to manipulate, to abuse. And they're plucking children's eyes out symbolically in this process. So they can't see and have no idea where they're going. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings Through the Eyes of St. Lucy tonight. There's more after this in hour number two. Don't go anywhere. You are tuned into The Secret Teachings Radio. You can listen to new episodes Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio for an exploration into parapolitics, the occult, pop conspiracy, history, symbolism, and so much more. If you missed the live show, check out our free archive at thesecretteachings.info or use the RSS feed on the site to plug into your podcast and radio apps. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. If you want more of The Secret Teachings Radio, check out one of Ryan's five books, Liberty Shrugged, an unconventional look at American history, Garden of Hallucinations, an overview of ancient mystery traditions, symbols, and sacred religious texts. Occult Arcana, a massive compendium of all things occult. The Technological Elixir, a look at everything from AI and the occult music industry to UFOs and COVID-19. And the fifth book, Food Philosophy. All five books are available only at thesecretteachings.info. For alternative forms of payment, please contact Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com This is David Icke and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. President Business is going to end the world? But he's such a good guy. And Octan, they make good stuff. Music, dairy products, coffee, TV shows, surveillance systems, all history books, voting machines. Wait a minute. Embracing. I am anti life. The beast. 
beast of judgment. The dark at the end of everything. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and crawl up to the fall up back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. listening to the secret teachings radio i'm your host ryan gable thank you so much for joining us this morning this afternoon tonight whenever and wherever you are listening around the world if you'd like to reach out to the show the secret teachings info is the website but the emails are rdgable at yahoo.com and tst radio at protonmail.com right now according to Hollywood Numbers, The Nun 2 from Warner Brothers has grossed $32,603,000. And it sets right now at the top of the weekend domestic charts as of this last weekend. I don't know if it'll hold that for this coming weekend. Uh, Surprisingly, uh, The Equalizer 3 sets at number 2. And My Big Fat Greek Wedding is number three. I I honestly thought that movie would do a little bit better than The Equalizer. Uh, But I do like Denzel Washington. I went to see that movie. It wasn't that bad. I also went to see The Nun, and I didn't realize how many people liked The Nun. As a matter of fact, I've been to now three movies in my lifetime and two in the last two months where the crowd actually uh, clapped at the end. There was a little bit of that during Oppenheimer, and then people actually clapped at the end of The Nun. Now, was The Nun a great movie? Mm, not really. Not really. But it's that kind of imagery that really draws people in. I was actually surprised how many kids were there. I swear to God, there were like six-year-olds at this movie. And this was a, this, the thing is, it's a late showing, too. Like You go to see a, a horror movie like The Nun at night. It's even creepier, right? People are bringing their kids to this movie. <laughs> I, I just couldn't, couldn't understand that. But my point is, I went to see the movie, jam-packed, didn't realize how popular it was going to be. It's at the top of the charts. Now, why do I bring that up? Because The Nun 2 is at the top of the charts, $32,603,000, which has blown um, a lot of other movies out of the water. And, to, I mean, not Barbie or Oppenheimer, but at least for last weekend, The Nun did better than everything else by about $20 million. So it did really well. And it was, it was, I mean, it was, a, it, was a, it was a decent script. Like, it didn't have a lot of unnecessary crap. But it was very predictable for a scary movie. One thing I noticed 
that I like the most about the script is that like some of the other conjuring and the other nun movie, they're pretty accurate in how they address the demonological lore or the mythology. Like in the first nun, you see the little boy with the serpents. That's Volick. And Volick is obviously in the conjuring too. When Lorraine Warren, she goes and she finds the Bible that she had carved into and she realizes the demon had given her his name and it was Volick. And she goes in with the name of the demon and says, you are Volick, the de- the defiler, and I send you back to hell. So they use the proper, because this is how Volick is depicted. He's depicted as a kid with serpents. In DePlancy's version, he's riding the little dragons. That probably been a little bit harder to show in the, in, in the movie, but they have him with little boy with little, little serpents. And he appears again in the second nun um, as well. So very accurate in terms of the demonological uh, portrayal and also accurate for the most part. I mean, there's a little bit of exaggeration, but this is accurate for the most part in terms of the story, which is at the heart of the nun too. And that is the story of St. Lucy, uh, a Sicilian saint, one of the first Christian saints who, because she's very wealthy and she could get any guy she wants, plenty of suitors, but she's like Buddha. She's she's unhappy. So she gives up all that wealth. She gives up all the worldly pleasures. And she basically, in effect, becomes a nun. But she is reported to Roman authorities by one of these guys that wants to, you know, be her husband. So the Roman authorities, and this is this is quite clever and and diabolic. The Roman authorities come to her and they try to force her as punishment into a brothel where she has to obviously perform sexual acts. They they make her want to make her a prostitute as punishment. And that's the most probably diabolic thing you can do to someone who is trying to maintain her virginity, right? So it's a very wicked punishment that the Roman authorities issue. But... And and for the record, by the way, we always have this like negative view about the Romans. The Romans also did really great stuff, too. And, you know, the Christians also did really terrible things to the pagans. So it's a two way street that you got to ride on. And if you don't ride on it, you're delusional. <laughs> Put it that way. That's not a fallacy. That's a fact. The Romans did terrible things. The pagans did terrible things. The Christians did terrible things. So let's just let history be what it is and just be happy with whatever your faith is today and leave other people alone, I think is the best way to look at it. But she is sentenced to this brothel and she has this divine protection. She becomes immovable, so they can't physically move her to the brothel. So they decide to burn her. So they set her on fire. Doesn't burn. So someone gets upset and says, F this, and they stab her in the neck. And... That's the main story. That's like the most popular story and other stories for which the the nun took from the nun too. She has her eyes plucked out and she's stabbed in the neck. So when she has her eyes plucked out, those eyes, and this is where the story becomes more fictionalized in the nun, those, those eyes become a religious relic that the demon is hunting because the And he's also hunting down the descendants of St. Lucy and killing them, trying to find this relic. Because the relic, 
because it's her eyes that were removed because this relic has, and she's also in some cases she plucks her own eyes out, but it's usually she hasn't plucked out by the pagans. This relic has the ability to, to give you the sight of divinity because the eyes are the gateway to the soul and they are symbolic of a divine connection. So the demon, which used to be an angel, if he, she gets access to these, these eyes, he, she becomes, I say he, she, cause demons aren't really male or female except for like an incubus and a succubus. Demons, um, usually are more portrayed male, but there are plenty of female demons, Lamash to Lilith, etc. But the point is the, the demon would obtain angelic powers because they'd have that direct connection back to heaven, back to God that St. Lucy had. That's a kind of the idea in the movie, but it's also partly a real story. And I don't know if St. Lucy was a real person. I'd imagine that there really was a, a Lucy. Probably there might've been many Lucy's. I imagine that, there were probably uh, pagans that, uh, you know, burned her or tried to burn her. And, you know, this myth developed, uh, you know, kind of like the myth of the Knights Templar and uh, the Templar Knights being burned at the stake swore that the, the Pope would be dead. And the, the king, I think what was the king of France would be, become sick or be dethroned. And so, you know, it, it, it could be coincidental. It could be that there are ulterior motives that, you know, operating behind the scenes that make those predictions come true. There's a lot of ways to look at it. I, I think the most important is the metaphor and the symbolism of like St. Lucy as a virgin. She's just pure. Doesn't mean she hasn't had sex. St. Lucy as a, as a, you know, an immovable person who couldn't be dragged off to the brothel by the Romans. She's immovable in her convictions. And if she's immovable in her convictions, then she's also, they, they can't burn her as well because she's unburnable. She has this divine protection. So because she has this divine protection, they have to remove that divine protection. And how they do that, they pluck out her eyes and they sever or, you know, sever the veins in the neck, stab her in the neck. So she has lost connection, not just through her eyes, but through her head, which is, you know, Kether the crown to source. It's really a fascinating story. If you think about it, they sever the neck and pluck out eyes so that she loses her connection to the divine. Although she, she doesn't because she's still protected. She's martyred. She's killed. But that power and that conviction goes on um, as she becomes immortal as a saint. So there's a lot to that particular story. And there's a lot to the, you know, the way that it was stretched for the for the nun. But still, interesting. Like I, re that was the mo that was my favorite part of the nun. I like the religious symbolism. I love you know, I love th Catholic things, and you know, I'm a big fan of demonology. But I also love you know these kinds of stories. So the Saint Lucy part is really what got me. But the reason I bring up the nun in terms of the box office is because. This week, and this was the, you know, the nun just, just literally came out. And uh, the date of the nun, uh, re, uh, the, the release of the nun, it's got, it's got kind of like mixed reviews, but the release of the nun was on the 8th. And it's only been out a few days. The reviews have actually gone up. It's, it's been reviewed a little bit better than what it originally was. But it's only been out for 
little under a week and it's grossed 32 million dollars, which is it's pretty that's pretty good for a sequel. And uh, it's also pretty good for, you know, a movie that and I might just this is all just my opinion, like a movie that I would feel like probably wouldn't would just like isn't the the thing that the average person is going to go see. Like people don't generally in mass go see horror movies. I mean, maybe the exorcist. Um, but then again, I guess like it, it was it, the nun went up against the equalizer three, which was a, a third third sequel and the big fat Greek wedding three, which is also another sequel. So it did, um, still did pretty good. So well, again, why do I bring that up? Because at the, at the center of the nun was this myth and the story about St. Lucy and her eyes patron saint of virgins and, they say the blind in the movie. There aren't many references to that, but you can also sort of imply that from the fact that she became blind. Also, what is one of the top three music videos? And it was number one. One of the top music videos in the world right now. Paint the Town Red by Doja Cat. I don't know if you've watched this video, if you heard the show I did last week called... Madness is like, what was the show called? Madness is like Gravity, I think it was. And let me double check again here. Yeah, Madness is like Gravity. Puppets, Sheep, and Cash Cows. When we talked about Doja Cat. At the beginning of this song, before she's talking with the devil and hanging out with some demon in hell that she had a baby with that she aborted, that's all in the song. And she's a feral bitch, she says, and she's dressed like a skank. Uh, the video starts with her plucking her eyeball out. At least I think that's Doja Cat, or at least it's meant to represent her. I can't, I think it's actually her. I, I can't tell because of the, uh, the black and white. I think it's actually her. Uh, she plucks her eye out and she puts it on a table. And then when she puts it on the table, she, the, the scene cuts, she's riding the devil. She said, she's going to paint this town red. She's in her classic red dress, you know, the dress of Lilith, the red woman, She's hanging out with the Grim Reaper, the Grim Reaper in his scythe. You can see a reflection of her covered in blood, which is a very, very common motif that you see in, in Hollywood and music videos. Then there's like this creature, probably a baby of some sort, in this little sack, kind of like a, an external womb. It almost looks like an eyeball that's been plucked out. And uh, Doja Cat and her boyfriend, who's a demon, they, they abort the child and kill it as a sacrament to the devil. And then she's playing around with stacks of meat, like Lady Gaga in the meat suit. And then she's basically, you know, being very romantic with the Grim Reaper. And the song concludes with her also being romantic with another demon. And then she plucks her eyeball out of the water and puts it back in her head. Now, all of that, if you haven't seen it, just sounds like somebody on radio rambling. But if you if you have seen it and you haven't paid attention to the details, you need to go watch it and pay attention to the details because the number one movie this week, the number one movie is The Nun 2. And it is centered not just on a demon. It's actually centered more on St. Lucy, who has her eyes plucked out. And then it was until like a few days ago, the number one uh, song was a song about a, a, a woman who plucks her eyes out and then goes to the underworld. So that's peculiar. I mean, what are the chances of like the top movie and the top music video and the top song both focusing on eyes? 
And not just focusing on eyes, but in the Egyptian mythology, as most of you know, because I talk about it all the time, it's my favorite myth, Horus and, well, at least Osiris's, the Horus and Osiris myth, where Osiris goes to the underworld vanquished. This is during the fall and the winter months. And then he, you know, grows up as wheat and we cut him down with the scythe and eat him. That's the bread and the blood of, you know, the grapes, you know, the, the wine of Jesus and all that body and blood. The, um, the god Horus, who is a, a, a rebirth of his father Osiris, the father and the son, whole trinity again, Isis is the, is the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost actually comes to Isis and tells her she's going to be pregnant. She, in some stories, she takes it upon herself to impregnate herself on a, on a golden phallus or a phallus made of beeswax on the obelisk, which is the ray of sun, which penetrates the earth and that gives birth to new life. So there's a lot to decode and, and decipher about the, the Egyptian story like any other mythology. But the, uh, the story of, of, of Osiris in the underworld is that his son Horus plucks out his own eye and gives it to his father so that he can see in the underworld. And it's peculiar that the, the eyeball in the Doja Cat song is in a glass of, I assume, is water because in the Scandinavian myths, it's the god Odin who goes to see the wise man or the wise wizard Mirmir uh, murmur, mirror, mirror. Sp- I think it's spelled, I've seen it spelled different ways, but it's like M-I-M-I-M-I-R, Mimir, Mimir, something like that. So he goes to visit this wise wizard, and in order to drink from the well, from the water of wisdom, to be baptized, he has to pluck out his eye. And this is exactly what Doja Cat does in the song. So whether it's the Egyptian story of Osiris and Horus, Horus plucks out his eye to see, so his father could see in the underworld, which is what Doja Cat does. She plucks out her eye and then she goes into the underworld. She's literally having you know intercourse with demons and then aborting the children because it's a sacrament to the devil. That's what the song's about. And she, and she, she implies by her shirt that says feral that she's feral. She doesn't you know care about anything except you know her own pleasures. And there's there's definitely more to the song than that. But if you watch the you watch the video, you see her performing what is in effect a part of an Egyptian you know magical rite. And then at the end, she plucks her eye out of the water, just like Odin. And that is also a story that you find far away in the east in Japan. And we, nobody really knows how old that story is in, in anywhere in the world, let alone in Japan because Japan wasn't supposed to have, you know, agriculture, especially to the level of the, to the, to the degree that the Egyptians had it. And yet they somehow had the same idea that the, not only agriculture, but that the creator gods is and is were, you know, they're one in the same Kami, but they, they have their eye or is has his eye removed and that eyeball goes on to create Amaterasu, the sun goddess. The other eye is darkness, and that's Susanu, Susanu or Susano, her brother. So it's light and darkness. One eye is light and one eye is darkness. This is why Horus plucks out one eye. This is that whole Illuminati covering one eye. Yeah, they cover the eye of light, usually, because they take the left-hand path of darkness. And it also depends on what, you know, what angle you're looking at the picture, because you know, to you, their right eye is, is actually their left eye. So that's like that mirrored reflection thing. And that's a whole nother very occult thing that's done with images and videos. So again, my point is the nun two is like the number one movie this week. 
And the number one, at least it was until a few days ago, the number one song, it's like it's top three in music videos on, on YouTube, is Paint This Town Red. And both talk about uh, St. Lucie and her eyes and Egyptian mythology, Scandinavian mythology, Japanese mythology, about the significance of the eye, the creator gods and creator god and goddess in the, um, the land of Japan. They use the eye to create more kami to create mankind. So there's a lot, a lot to be deciphered from the eyes. And not only that in general, but the fact that the top movies and music videos are all focused on eyes. It just always feels like there's some kind of directive. Like, you know, when you watch those Conan O'Brien used to play when they, you'd watch those like newscasts where everybody would say the same thing. Well, it's Easter time. Got to get out your Easter basket. Easter bunny's on the way. And then you'd watch like a thousand other videos and they all say the exact same thing. It's all scripted. I think the same thing happens. Uh, well, we know the same thing happens in like fashion. The same thing happens in, in, in the music industry. They get the script, what it's supposed to be about. Same thing happens in Hollywood. And then you get the same themes over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And even in movies, like if you look at the significance of, you know, multiple dimensions and things like that and, you know, Marvel movies and um, other, I, I don't know all the, all the superhero movies, but Marvel movies, DC movies, and then you just look at other movies that have no relationship, like everything everywhere all at once focuses on the same themes. Uh, so it's a theme that is pushed by the industry. And I always wonder why, like why are multiple dimensions real big right now? Why is the, you know, why is the eyeball at the top of the music and movie charts. And, you know, the thing is, they don't, like, The Nun 2 isn't promoted as having anything to do with St. Lucie. And, you know, the Doja Cat song isn't promoted as having anything to do with her eyeball being plucked out. It's just this, like, raunchy imagery of her riding the devil or something. But when you watch The Nun, no pun intended, when you watch, you know, directly, you realize, oh, this is actually about St. Lucy. This isn't even about the demon. It's just about what the demon wants, and the demon wants the relic that is the eyes of St. Lucy. You watch the Doja Cat song, you're like, well, this isn't really about the devil. This is about Doja Cat taking her eyeballs out so she can go to the underworld. And that's directly from Egypt. And look, you see this stuff all over the place, and I've mentioned this before on The Secret Teachings to the point where it's nauseating. And I also pointed this out to those of you who are Ground Zero listeners, if you've never heard me say this on my show, I pointed this out on one of the Ground Zero episodes I hosted while Clyde was out. And that is, if you look at the story of George Floyd, doesn't matter what you think of George Floyd, doesn't matter what your politics are, doesn't matter what facts you have, and there are plenty of facts that dispute the, the mainstream narrative, including the video and the autopsy, which says he didn't die from having a knee on his neck, he died from fentanyl overdose, and his heart went, popped. However... He was an individual who was by no means an upstanding member of society. Okay, he was what we he is what we would call a low life degenerate, not because he's black, but because he's a low life degenerate. Plenty of white low life degenerates. So I I watch how the media turns, and you watched how the media turned George Floyd into what a martyr, a saint, and then they buried him in a golden coffin. And it's like that's the same story that we also get out of Egypt. When Osiris, the green man, but the black god of, of good, good fertile soil, god of agriculture, and god of darkness of the underworld, who needs that eyeball to see, Osiris is put into the golden coffin, and then he is sealed by lead 
and sent into the Milky Way or sent into the Nile River. And it's the prototype for Moses because Osiris ends up being raised physically as a pillar. His coffin is is swallowed up by a tree that's cut down to turn turn into a pillar for a Syrian king. So he's raised as a pillar in a in a in a kingdom. And it's the same way Moses is raised after being on the Nile River, after being in the basket, he is raised in the Pharaoh household. So it's a prototype for the story of Moses. And there's a lot the the, the you know the the Indians have a similar story to that similar tradition uh, of initiation into the higher rites of the Brahmic mysteries and 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 it, the, the list just goes on and on and on. It's not the point of the show tonight, but you know if you want to go further into it, Noah's Ark, the Ark of the Covenant, and this also relates to the human body, of course, because the golden coffin is the thing that is adorned in all these jewels and beautiful things. The things that Saint Lucy gave up, she didn't want all the jewels and the diamonds and the wealth and the men. She wanted to be a well in effect a nun she wanted to be the you know the the servant of god and so she left that world like buddha did and then she became a saint buddha became enlightened and you you know the rest of the of, of the story so they do this with all kinds of things and i don't know who they are i don't know it's not it can't be the media cuz they're they're dull and dumb they just follow orders somebody somewhere is studying and reading and knows a lot more about this than i do you think I know a lot about this. These people know a lot more about this than I do. I just happen to read a few stories and, and, and think, oh, well, that the, the, the top song and movie right now are about eyeballs. And that happens all the time. And the trend in Hollywood is like multiple dimensions. And it's like, is that is that is that popular or is something else popular? And they're just throw, that that's the underlying theme that they don't talk about. Because the nun is about, you know, the demon. It's not about St. Lucy. The Doja Cat song is about how, you know, you can be a bitch and not care. But it's really about her taking her eye out and going to the underworld. It's the same thing with, you know, Katy Perry. Remember Katy Perry with all of her, you know, Egyptian iconography. It's the same thing all over. I think that what was that song, Dark Horse. It's the same thing all over over the industry. And even in that song, Dark Horse, there's another example where she, Katy Perry has her left eye obscured by a a physical, like it's like a little um, statue of the eye of Horus. That's in the, if you've seen that movie, that's the, it's, or that not movie, the, um, uh, the music video, Dark Horse. And I think she even did that performance more of like some kind of weird dark ritual on stage where it wasn't very colorful. It was more like it looked like she was a witch performing some kind of like sacrament to the devil, which is also very similar to what with what, what Katy Perry did is very similar to what Taylor Swift's been doing. And then she also, you know, on, on other occasions and in that video, she appears as ISIS. So like there's somebody somewhere knows exactly what they're doing. This is the point I'm trying to get to. And it's not just other things that we're distracted from and ignorance is bliss. Great. You know, it's, it's just very simple to realize that, but it's, it's beyond that because there are powerful people, apparently, obviously that understand the archetypes that understand the myth that understand how these symbols affect us and they stick them everywhere and they give the order and the prescription for eyeballs. And then suddenly there's the eyeball everywhere. They give the prescription for multiple universes. Suddenly, multiple universes are everywhere. It's really um, obvious once you realize it, but it's not that obvious if you're just like, oh, I'll just go see a, a movie. What's out? You just don't think much about it. That's not your fault. It's just it's not anybody's fault. You just don't think about it. You don't have time to think about it. 
So people like me who do spend my entire day learning about these things, I do a little research. I see movies. I listen to some music and see some videos. And I, I notice these things or people send them to me and I see them. And you realize that it's, it's staged. It's not organic entertainment. It's not organic creativity and art. It's all meant to evoke this response. It's all meant to, to get us to react a certain way. That is seeing the, the world through the eyes of St. Lucy as we are doing tonight here on The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this final segment coming up. Don't go anywhere. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. There are four ways to listen and support The Secret Teachings, Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio or in the free archive at TheSecretTeachings.info. You can also re-subscribe at TheSecretTeachings.info where you can get ad-free access to the archive, montages, and Ryan's digital books. And by signing up at Aftermath.media. Or you can also get Clyde Lewis's Ground Zero. For those of you with a few seconds to spare, please don't forget to leave the show a review or comment on podcast players like Apple. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. listening to the secret teachings radio i'm your host ryan gable there's an interesting comment somebody left on our show promo last night on facebook the apophis the uncreator show and this isn't a criticism this is just an, an interesting comment that they made patrick hartman said it's the 21st century transsexuals aren't a new thing but they are causing a stir transhumanism is a new thing and it will not go away synthetic life is just out there and I thought about that for a second, and this is not a political statement. This is just a, an interesting correlation to what I talked about in the last segment. Um, I agree and disagree because the idea of transhumanism has been around for a very, very long time. Very, very long time. And when we don't recognize that, we tend to think, oh, it's just a new thing. It'll go away. Or it won't go away. Patrick says it won't go away. 
Um, but that's not true. I mean, there's a long, 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 long history of and a lot. I mean, obviously, a lot of the stories are not like literal, but of people and Manly Hall even writes about this of people, scientists trying to create, uh, you know, autonomous beings and trying to create, you know, synthetic life. I mean, some alchemists who didn't understand alchemy or at least, you know, how we just describe it and define it today in terms of like spiritual alchemy, people uh, that were trying to create little monsters. So, yeah, transhumanism has been around for a long time in the same way that you watch like the George Floyd story unfold. And that, that story has been around for a long time too. a black person turned into a god and buried in a golden coffin. That's the story of Osiris. You look at this Doja Cat song. Number three in music videos right now on YouTube, but it was number one and it's still one of the top. It might even be the top song, uh, one of the top songs in the country. It's paint this town or paint the town red. And it starts with her taking her eyeball out and then she goes to hell. And then at the end, she picks her eyeball up out of a glass of water and she can see again. And this is precisely the story of Horace taking his eye out so that he and his father can see in the underworld, which is the abyss, it's the bottom of the ocean, Leviathan, it's the far reaches of our universe, galaxy, solar system, of space, whatever you choose to call it, where Auroboros is consuming his own tail, the serpent. It's um, part of the Egyptian mythos. And then you look at the top movie right now, it's the Nun 2 and I'd assume the Nun Two will still do very well this weekend. And the Nun Two is, yeah, it's about it's a sequel to the Nun, and it's all part of like a prequel sequel to the Conjuring. And there's this, obviously the this this demon Valak. But there's more to it than that. There's at the center of the movie is I was I wasn't really surprised, but I was just thinking like I didn't realize how much it was going to be about this story of saint lucy and i was intrigued by that i love i love those kinds of stories of saints and myths and legends and folklore and stuff like that so i found that really intriguing and i started to think about the, the metaphors that are around um that story it's kind of what came uh came to my brain and that's what led to tonight's show so back to that comment about transhumanism is a new thing. It's not a new thing. It's actually been around for a very long time because humans have been trying to make deals with devils to gain power since the beginning of recorded time. And that's transhumanism. So you want, you're looking for otherworldly power, looking for like, uh, you know, upgrades. You want power. You want the power to do this, the power to do that. That's what transhumanists offer you. And old school transhumanists, maybe not transhumanists in terms of like, you know, machines, but those that want to transition, transition humans to something else, they call for sacrifices. They call for human sacrifice. They call for, you know, uh, you know, bestiality. They call for incest. They call for just all these corrupt things that have no relationship whatsoever to their complete inversion of creation and divinity. And that same ideology has been around for a long time. We just call it evil. It's just evil. And evil wants to take the good and corrupt it. I think a lot of us misunderstand, though, that evil and, you know, demons and... These aren't necessarily physical things. Like, they don't necessarily 
you know, have a domain where they dwell and they're just waiting for you to conjure them. For thousands of years, humans have felt as if they themselves or others have been haunted by ghosts, possessed by spirits, possessed by demons, gods, etc., etc., etc. And this is largely because of the, the various forces operating in the human soul. And when they're not aligned with one another, there's chaos. And we do things we know we shouldn't do, and we do things we know um, are bad and evil, and we also don't do things we know we should do. And so these things, I mean, it could be lust, it could be depression, it could be rage, all the seven deadly sins, and other things as well. Those things can overtake us if we're not careful. They can consume us if we're not careful. Those demons can consume us. So that, like psychologically speaking, that's what a demon is. And since the body is this vessel, this divine connection point to source, you know, the head, kether, the crown, the third eye, which is the, the opening on the top of the, the, uh, the Ark of Noah, the body is also the Ark of the Covenant. You know, it's the it's something I talk about in my new book, Garden of Hallucinations. You know, the Ark of Osiris, the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of Noah, you know, the tabernacle. The, this is all, it's not necessarily 100%, but it's 100% relatable to the human body. That's where a lot of those stories are coming from. The human body, as Paracelsus said, is the grand symbol of the mysteries. You know, the the, the red dragon that gives the beast his power. The red dragon is the ego and the beast that gives, gets power from the red dragon. The beast is the animal self. And those are the demons. Those that's the lust, the anger, the, all those things that if they take control, then you become demonic and feral like this Doja cat song. But if you can overcome them, you can slay the dragon. Then you get the precious gold, the wisdom, the philosopher's stone, the powder of projection, the ability to see and to overcome. But some people are so scared, they'd rather live in a blissful state that they choose not only to not look, they choose to pluck their own eyes out. St. Lucy was so convicted, she was so immovable in her convictions that she could not be punished for refusing suitors by being sent to a brothel. And she could not even be burned. She had protection. So how did the Romans kill her? They had to sever her connection to divinity. They did that by slitting her neck and plucking out her eyes. The neck separates the body, the vessel from the head, head of the household. Plucking to the eyes prevents her from seeing beyond. Now, as a result of her conviction, she was made a saint. She was actually one of the first um, Christian saints. And she was protected by these things because of her conviction. And so they had to sever that connection with source. They had to sever that connection with the divine. Some people choose to willingly, willfully sever that connection. But all of that is happening in the body. And all of that is happening internally. And all of that is happening... I mean, St. Lucy probably was a real person and probably was persecuted. A lot of people were persecuted for being Christian, but a lot of pagans were also persecuted for being pagan. 
But St. Luke's is probably a real person, but the story tells a deeper, deeper tale. It's metaphoric in the same way that, you know, Jesus heals the sick, right? He remedies those, not those, those infirmities, not of the flesh, but of ignorance, of superstition, of fear, the three great evils, the, the, the trinity of evil. Jesus teaches the gospel. He instructs those who are ready to receive that instruction. He casts out demons. He helps to modify the passions, emotions, and appetites of the individual. That's the point of the teachings of Christ, the point of the mystery school traditions before they were corrupted in Rome or Egypt or anywhere. So as you look at these two, this movie and this, this music video that are ultra popular right now, The Nun is the number one movie in the theaters, they both don't promote it, but at the center of both movies is, of course, the eyeballs, the eyes of St. Lucy and the eyeball that lets Doja Cat see in the underworld and that paint the town red song. So why does the demon, this is the question, why does the demon want those eyes in the nun? You know, the, the, what do the eyes represent? They represent a connection to the divine. So if the demon, who was once an angel, can get those eyes or get that tool, the demon can become angelic again. The demon can obtain all this power. That demon needs to be stopped. These are also demons that we have inside of us. And if we're not careful, those demons can obtain that angelic power because they can circumvent, as the red dragon and the beast do, they can circumvent those other positive aspects of ourself. And they can take over the body and the head. And that is when we become possessed. And so this is why in, um, like, for example, we actually talked with Anthony Cummings about this. The way that the samurai would perform an exorcism is they would cut the air above the head of the victim. Because there was a connection there to some more powerful thing that's attached to the body. And in some cases, you don't have the choice, like if you're thinking about this like conceptually the person is gone the soul is gone so you the only way to stop them is to cut the head off kind of like a zombie right or a you know even a vampire you just cut the head off you go right to the source of the problem so this is how demonic possession works and those demons inside of us want access to our eyes They want our eyes because those demons inside with access to our eyes, they can see the world and they can manipulate the body and use us. Those emotions, those unchecked emotions can use us to wreak havoc on the world. I do believe in malevolent spirits, by the way. Not that you need to know what my belief is. Because I'm not saying, I say that because I'm not saying that those things don't exist. But what I am saying is that The idea of a demon, and in the nun, the idea of a demon wanting these eyes is because in all of us, those demons inside of us, they want access to our eyes because those eyes are a gateway to the soul. They are a symbol of divine connection. That's why the demon wants them. Because if that demon can get access to them, we become possessed and that demon wreaks havoc with our body and with our mind. 
And that again is demonic possession. So to, to, to realize, I mean, like I realized and I thought a lot about that after I saw the nun. And then I saw, you know, I had talked about the Doja Cat song uh, a day before I went to see the movie. And I just thought that was incredibly, incredibly interesting. That top movie, top song, both focused on eyes in the same way. It's, it's the same thing with, um, you know, with the with the multiple universes. And there's even what is that that new what's that new movie coming out? Uh, I think it's is it Loki or is it the TV show? I don't remember if it's the TV show or the movie, but there's like a new. Um, let's see if I can find it here. Loki. Well, I think it's I think it's the new movie. I really I don't know. I don't keep up with these these um these movies, but I think it's it's I got to own Wilson in it. Uh, and Loki's like being pulled through time or something. So there you go. You get time, different dimensions again. It's just like, it's the total obsession. And you, you start to wonder like, why is that? It's like the multiple dimensions aren't the reason that those movies do well or do poor. So why is that the theme of all those for almost all those movies? In the same way, why is that, you know, the eyeball, the theme of top songs and and movies right now is it coincidence yeah maybe very well could just be coincidence but maybe it's not coincidence maybe uh you know maybe what happened is there's some sort of like we know this happens in the music industry there's some sort of direction like we know this happens in the media there's some sort of direction that tells the studios this is what we have to focus on this is what we should focus on in the same way that, you know, fashion kind of, you know, pushes and, and behaviorally modifies what people wear. And it's like the, it's that question of like who sets the trends, right? And nowadays, who sets the trends is who controls the algorithm and who controls the algorithm is those that program it, whether they're literally programming it or figuratively programming it. And I, you know, I, I gave this example earlier, and this is totally anecdotal, so don't take this for you know, being anything serious. But when I lived in Rochester, uh, there was a huge, it's actually the deaf capital of the United States. They, they call it It's a lot of deaf people. And there's also a lot of blind people there. And I saw some blind people when I lived in Boise. I don't think I've seen a blind person since I've lived in Tucson, or at least, at least somebody out in public who was clearly blind. Um, but when I lived in Rochester, I saw a lot of blind, blind people. I always noticed that the blind, they were, I don't think I've ever seen a blind guy with a stick walking down the street. Maybe one, I don't know. But they're usually women that I saw. And they always dress so nice. And I, and I just, I thought of that when I was putting together tonight's show. Because I also, I see girls every day, every single day, who clearly aren't blind, you know, visually, but like, morally they're blind. And it's just like the blind girl dresses better than the girl who can see. And obviously there's a deeper, there's a deeper meaning there. A lot of people who can visually see choose to ignore things in front of them. They've in effect had their eyes plucked out in reference to St. Lucy by the pagans. Um, people also who have the ability to, everybody has the ability to see, even if you're blind, but if you have the ability to see and you go blind by making that choice, the way that Jesus heals you is by opening your eyes so that you can see again. It's not not physically healing the blind. It's a spiritual healing of the blind because you're choosing not to look. You're choosing not to pay attention to what's important. 
And the way in which socially and culturally we all have our eyes plucked out is through the distortion and through the manipulation of things, as we talked about Monday and Tuesday, manipulation, distortion of statistics. And that could be something as simple as guns. Like, what's what's the number one, uh, uh, well, not, not number, it's not just number one. It's like, what, what are the top gun crimes? It's gangs. And what's what comes in after that? Suicides. And then where, where on the chart does the person who's a good law-abiding citizen who kills someone because they're crazy, like the, the gun owner's crazy, they're crazy, wacko, crazy, left, uh, right wing, you know, that, that person never commits that crime because they're a law-abiding citizen. Like that is the bottom of the chart, but they distort it, they turn it upside down and make it look like that person's guilty of all the crimes. Same thing with like whooping cough. I'm about whooping cough on Tuesday. It seems like a boring show, but I, I, I got a lot of good responses from it. I was pretty angry on that show because it's like the, the vaccine came out in 1914. They tell you 1948, they m- mix it with two other vaccines. And that's when the cases started to go down. And that's only like 60% true because cases did go down slightly. Then they went back up and they went back down. That actually correlates with indoor plumbing, hygiene, hot water, indoor toilets, more so than it correlates to the vaccine that's been out by that point, 1948, for 34 years. They just lie to people. And then the, the cases started to go up again in the 2000s because the CDC changed their observations. This is what they do with hurricanes, what they do with floods, what they do with fires. They're literally preventing you from seeing what is right in front of you. And there's a lot of psychological, psychoanalytical reasons that we could, we, we, we could try to break down and, and, and figure out why. People trust authority. Okay, that's one. People don't want to sound wrong, so they just do what everybody else is doing. And when everybody else is wrong, you know, at least you're wrong together. And when things are safe, then everybody jumps on board like, oh, yeah, I'll never do the masks again. Yeah, you will. If, if you had to, you would. The chances of you refusing again are Maybe a little bit better than the first time, but they're very, they're pretty slim to none. Well, it's, it's the same thing Jordan Peterson points out about if you were living in Nazi Germany, yeah, you might want to punch a Nazi now, but you'd have been a Nazi more than likely. So you'd have been a communist in Russia. You'd have been same thing in China. We tend to do what the group does. And people that break away from the group are ostracized and condemned and try to burn them at the stake. And then they end up becoming martyrs and they end up becoming the people that end up making the greatest difference in the world. You know, and it's ironic because it's like the left-wing liberal class used to be the rebels against the conservative traditional values. And you need, you need both, I believe, for the record. But now it's like the traditional conservatives that are the, that are the, the radicals because they don't, want to, <laughs> they don't want to do something radical, so that makes them a radical. So th- th- all this relates to, to vision. Because some people choose to see, some people choose not to see. And, and of course, probably the, the best example of that in pop culture is Bird Box. And, and what do you have in Bird Box? You have people that are going around and they're working for these entities and they're forcing people to look, to see their fears, and then they die. And along the way, remember Sandra Bullock along the way, I think there's, a, there's at least one occasion at the end of the movie it's very similar to the Blair Witch Project. The, I don't remember the original one that well, but the, at least the new one, you know, where the witch talks like your friend. So you turn around and you get taken. The, the, um, the guy that she was with, 
who was helping to protect her and, and those kids, um, you know, the, the, the monsters or whatever, they, they look like kind of like Lovecraftian creatures. But that evil force that's making people kill themselves, it pretends to be this guy to get her to look. I think it even pretends to be one of the kids or something to get her to look. They want you to look. So, like, they, they want you to look at evil so you see how awful things are and you just want to kill yourself when things aren't even that bad. That's how evil does it. That's how evil operates. But then also symbolically you could say that by manipulating every little teeny tiny bit of reality and your perception of reality and the context that should be there, they manipulate your ability to to navigate through the world and effectively pluck out your eyes as punishment for basically just being human and asking questions. So there's a lot of ways to break down and 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 to to really go deeper into the story of St. Lucy and what she represents as a virgin with her immovable convictions. She's unburned by fire. She can't be physically moved to a brothel. So they have to do something to sever her connection to the divine. And although she dies by having her neck cut and her eyes plucked out, she also becomes a saint and her eyes become this powerful relic, which uh, again, in the, in the nun too, that's where it becomes fictional. I don't think that they actually have her eyes as a relic, but I, I, who knows? I mean, maybe the, the Vatican does have St. Lucy's eyes. Who knows? God knows what the Vatican has. So I, I find all this interesting um, and peculiar, and especially the fact that the top, the top movie and the top song right now are about eyeballs. <laughs> um, and not only about eyeballs, but if you, if you watch um, uh, you know, American Horror Story or American Horror Stories, Whatever the new season is, whatever the new theme is, it always seems to be right in line with the with the with the zeitgeist, like the dolls season that came out. Now the new one, I think it's called Delicate with the Spider. And uh, we talked about the new uh, the new. I think it's I think it's an album. Uh, I think it's an album. Let me try to look this up here. I think it's called the Scarlet Spider. I can't remember the name of it. Let me, I'm going to try to look this up here. I, I took a picture of it and sent it to Derek Murphy. Let's see if I can find it here on my phone real quick. Yeah, here it is. It's uh, the new Doja Cat. She has a new album out called Scarlet. And um, so, well, what is it? It's a, it's a, it's a red spider. And uh, that just happens to also be the theme of the new American horror stories, spiders and, uh, uh, you know, children, I assume being aborted and harmed and, I mean, this is this is how the zeitgeist is manipulated. This is how our perception of reality is manipulated. This is what's happening. Um, because people are, and I don't think it's, I'm not saying it's a conspiracy, I'm just saying people are trying to nudge and push and adjust um, our view and our perception of the world. And those forces intend to create chaos. And those forces are demonic. And those forces want that relic of St. Lucy's eyes because they want connection to the divine. And they don't like when you have connection to it. So they cut your penis off. They chemically castrate you. You know, at the body shop of Sam Smith, they mutilate you physically, cut giant chunks of your leg out to give you a big rotting penis. They distort 
male and female, masculine and feminine. They abuse men and women in the name of women being men, men being women. I mean, this is you call that transgenderism and say that that's not new. Other people might say it is new, but that's just transhumanism. No moms, no dads, just born and grown in a laboratory. It's the most demonic, satanic thing that you can possibly imagine. And it's not fake. It's not fiction. It's very, very, very real. And I mean, again, you see this this Doja Cat song. What does she do in the song? She's in hell because she takes her eye out and she goes to hell. And she's she basically, it's implied she has sex with the devil or has sex with this demon. And then it, there's this, you know, this growing baby or something in this little sack. And they just cut the umbilical cord to it and, and, and abort it. Let it fall. Let it break. It's like the, so let me get this straight. In, in America, where people are still, on average, over three quarters Christian, the number one song in the country is a song promoting ripping your eyes out and going to hell, which is an Egyptian myth, and aborting a baby and acting feral and having no respect for yourself or others and just calling everybody bitch, 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 which is all, all she does in the song. It's not, it's not even music. It's just, it's just propaganda. That's the number one song. You know, or that's like it was the number one music video. How, how is that possible? Even with all the smut and perversity and filth and garbage, how? Because just like with everything else, you know, the data is manipulated. Because, you know, real talk show hosts get censored and banned. And the algorithm pushes those that they want to push. Even if it seems like, well, someone's telling the truth or someone's talking about a conspiracy theory, that's normally censored. It's like, well, how are they talking about it? If they're pushing directed energy weapons, it goes right to the top of the feed. Why do you think that is? When something like that would be denied otherwise, why would you push DEWs? It's at the top of all the feed. Why? It doesn't make any sense. Why is my Facebook feed filled with crap like that? Is it just the algorithm? That gives us this little corner of the internet as our little safe place where we can live in an echo chamber and not have to really deal with reality. I don't care if you believe in unicorns or conspiracy theories or 9-11 was an inside job or you just like to repeat whatever the news says. It's all little teeny tiny echo chambers. And they, they prevent you from seeing beyond that. And those of you who can see beyond that, you're hunted down like St. Lucie. And they want to they want to push you into debauchery and want to burn you alive and metaphorically speaking, symbolically speaking, figuratively speaking, and eventually just sever that influence by cutting you off, cut her neck, cut you off, so you can't talk, can't communicate. There's a lot of there's so many parallels here that we could make. Um, there's so many ways to look at this, but I thought that nobody else would be discussing the nun too like this. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is through the eyes of St. Lucy. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Really quickly, I know there's always confusion on how to listen. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday on Ground Zero Dot Radio, right after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero. That's free. After the show airs, it goes into the archive at thesecretteachings.info. You could access, if you go to the website, for free. It doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to sign up. The embedded player, the RSS feed, and links to other platforms to listen. Now, that feed has advertisements placed into it by Spreaker. 
So if you want to get rid of those advertisements, you can go to aftermath.media and you can sign up for the ad-free show over on aftermath.media. You get a lot of stuff over there as well. If you're a subscriber on our website and you can also resubscribe at any time, you get the montages, the digital books, etc. cetera. Uh, my books like Garden of Hallucinations available on the website as well. I think you'd really, if you enjoyed tonight's show, you'd really enjoy Garden of Hallucinations. You know how the body is the cross, the nails of illusion hold us up, the spine is the tree of life, and Golgotha is the skull, the two hemispheres, the two thieves, and the red dragons, the and the and the beast is, you know, that's the ego and the animal self. I think you'd really enjoy this book, Garden of Hallucinations. Anyway, stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. And I will talk to you on the next broadcast. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight.